This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Crypto arbitrage has become one of the biggest games in town. Several years ago, Bitcoiners quickly realized that they could buy Bitcoin on an overseas exchange at much lower prices than they could in South Africa. That difference in price, called the arbitrage premium or GAP, averaged around 4 to 5% in 2017, but on occasion shot to 20 to 30%. You need only book two or three trades like this a year to beat the pants off anything you were likely to get on the JSE, and that's at relatively low risk. The crypto arbitrage gap has narrowed considerably to around 1% to 3% since 2017, in part because so many people are doing it. To participate in crypto arbitrage, you have to use your Forex allowances. That's 1 million Rand a year special discretionary allowance and 10 million Rands a year foreign investment allowance, for which you need tax clearance from South African Revenue Services. There are now several companies offering crypto arbitrage, but one company that is certainly no newcomer to the space is Currency Hub. David Forello, Head of Operations and Trading at Currency Hub, and Andrew Ludwig join us to discuss what is going on in crypto arbitrage. Welcome to both of you, David and Andrew. Hi, Kieran. Thanks very much. Good. Glad to be here. David, let's start with you. You've been at this for four years, and people who were doing arbitrage trades back in 2017 almost regarded this as something of a secret. It was so easy to make profits that they didn't want to alert the authorities or something like this. So how did you get involved in this? Yes, yeah, so Karen, my journey, uh, my cryptocurrency journey began at the end of 2016 when I took a sabbatical uh, traveling through South, Southeast Asia. I was actively trading equities during this time and on my return to Cape Town, I registered with Luno and bought my first Bitcoin. So that's when I discovered that Bitcoin was priced at a premium in South Africa. I remember losing about 5,000 Rand on my first trade and wondering why. So the journey began there and I began just chatting to forex intermediaries, legal teams and authorized dealers to understand how I could profit from this. So after learning about the various offshore allowances and I proceeded to onboard with a forex intermediary and now at that time most of them were not actually facilitating crypto payments, uh, sorry, FX payments to crypto exchanges. Um, but I found one and began trading the arbitrage for myself using my single discretionary allowance. Then fast forward a couple of years, um, in 2018, um, that's when I approached an ex-colleague and good friend of mine, Andrew Ludwig, with the arbitrage business proposal and began the lengthy process of finding the right legal team, authorized dealers, the FSP licenses, developers, and multiple service providers, um, and went live officially with our arbitrage service on the 1st of August, 2020. Okay, Andrew, I'm going to bring you in here. Now, this is an unregulated activity at the moment, but that's about a change, right? So what changes can we expect and what sort of licenses will be required for people who are providing crypto arbitrage services? Yeah, Karen, so when David and I decided to form a company in 2018 to offer this arbitrage service to the public, it was on two conditions. Number one, we get legal opinion on crypto arbitrage. And number two, we get as regulated as possible. So we introduced ourselves to the regulators and authorized dealers. And with our legal counsel, a former head of currencies and exchange control, we approached the Saab, South African Reserve Bank, full transparency. And later we received legal opinion supporting our specific arbitrage process. So we established a CAT2 FSP on the back of an existing CAT1, affording us full advisory and discretionary asset management capabilities, satisfying the FSCA. 
we then went on to become a Saab-approved FX intermediary, assuming the exchanges would also be targeted by the regulators. So Kieran, as you may know, all three of these licenses take years of experience to acquire, much of that supporting institutional and high net worth investors in a hedge fund environment where David and I met in 2012. So, you know, down to the regulation and where it fits in today, according to our compliance officer and a few others we engage with, the FSCA's regulation is expected this year, with several warnings through the press, essentially requiring all crypto service providers to become regulated by the FSCA as CASPs, the acronym Crypto Asset Service Provider. Now, details of this are, are much anticipated and likely aligned to the minimum requirements of the principles of a Category 1 FSP license allowing you to offer advice and provide an intermediary service, while the Category 2 license allows you to pool funds and legally offer discretionary asset management. Nonetheless, we welcome this event, and it is hopefully going to flush out the criminals and opportunists protecting the citizens of South Africa from the likes of MTI and AfriCrypt. Might even help the premium. Who knows? Okay, David, let's bring you back in here. I mentioned in the intro that the arbitrage gap was was astonishingly wide. If you go back to 2017, it was, I mean, at times going on four, five, six, seven, eight percent. And then it even would go to 20, 30 percent for a period of time. That has narrowed considerably. Now you're looking at between one and two percent, I think, for the most part in the last few weeks. What's happened with this gap? And is it likely to disappear at all at some point in the near future? Yeah, so I mean, back in 2017, I remember my my biggest arb trade was actually around 33% when I was sitting in a bootlegger and couldn't believe my eyes. Um, but those days are gone um, as the market has matured. So you know, as of so the crypto premium over the past three to four weeks um, has been below its year-to-date mean. So we have concluded research on factors that influence the premium, and there are a number of reasons that have contributed to the depressed premium. So firstly, trading activity has tapered off since the Bitcoin, since Bitcoin fell more than 40% to the low 30Ks. So the demand for Bitcoin has decreased. Lower bit, a lower Bitcoin demand is bad for the premium. Secondly, the RAND has been weakening. Now, the catalyst to this was obviously due to the Quasi-Natal and Gauteng looting that took place earlier this month. A volatile weakening RAND is also bad for the premium. Thirdly, there are now more South African citizens that are doing the arbitrage, and that's putting pressure on the sell side, on the crypto sell side, which is also bad for the premium. So a low crypto premium isn't anything new. You know, after over the past four to five years that I've been recording the daily premium and trading, um, we have we tend to see it fall below its short-term mean, around 8% of the year. But with that being said, the crypto market is maturing. More people are doing the arbitrage, and it could be the new norm. But we will just have to wait and see. I don't believe that it will be disappearing soon, but that depends on crypto regulation and how that will impact the premium in South Africa. I agree with you. I mean, I have seen the arbitrage premium actually go negative. In other words, it was cheaper to buy Bitcoin in South Africa than it was overseas. So you can kind of do a reverse arbitrage at that point. Yes. It doesn't hang around for long, but it does appear from time to time. And I, I think that the you go through these flat periods and the arbitrage premium does tend to bounce back. And it can happen for any number of reasons. It can happen because of there's a shift in the exchange rate. There can be 
a sudden event overseas that can that can trigger that premium. So never discount it. I, I think even ten years from now, they, I mean, arbitrage is part of financial markets, so it's going to be around. It might disappear for a period of time, but it'll come back. What do you think, Andrew? From your lips to God's ears, Karen. So, David, there are risks to arbitrage and people, and I think a lot of the providers have also said, you know, that this is like risk-free profits. That, of course, is the intention, but there are risks. Maybe just talk about what they are. Yes, you're, you're correct in thinking that. So, it's important to understand every part of the arbitrage process because there are a lot of moving parts in order to understand the risks therein. So, in our arbitrage service, counterparty risk is the biggest risk. Now, Andrew and I have done a deep due diligence on all our service providers that we use, ensuring that they are the best of breed to ensure that this risk is as low as possible. Okay. The other big one is Forex risk. Okay. Now, but we offer a credit line to our clients to remove the Forex risk. So as soon as we purchase the Forex risk, Forex for our clients, we are locked in the other side of the trade to remove the, the risk of the FX movement while the client's US dollars or euros are being sent to the offshore beneficiary bank. I think it's just important to perhaps mention there why the Forex risk is important. And if you can eliminate it, what a fantastic thing that is. Because you're using your foreign investment allowance or your special discretionary allowance to buy uh, to, to buy euros or dollars and ship it abroad. And of course, that, that can take a period of half a day. It can take several hours. Um, and in that period of time, the exchange rate can move. And of course, if it's moving a percent against you, then that can wipe out a, a good chunk of your expected arbitrage profit or the whole profit altogether. So it's very critical to try and nail down and eliminate these risks as much as possible. Is that correct, David? That is, that is 100% correct. So, you know, one of the reasons why we actually went and got our own Forex intermediary service was to bring that in-house to limit the risk of delays, uh, Forex delays. Um, and also, obviously, we have the credit line, which we can facilitate uh, to cut that out. So when, you, when you're facilitating a crypto arbitrage transaction, one of the factors that contribute to the premium is the RAND dollar price. Now, that affects the premium. When you're locking in a Forex rate, you're locking it in the morning, and let's call it, let's say that the Forex, the US dollar rate is at 15 RAND to the dollar, and the current premium is at 3%. Now, while your Forex is being sent to the beneficiary bank offshore, that process can take anywhere between 6 to 95 hours because you now rely on your FX intermediary to facilitate that payment in a speedy manner to ensure that the banks are getting the deals and that the deals are reaching the beneficiary bank in time. So there's a lot of different service providers involved in that Forex transactions. And as a result of knowing that, we have actually got our own FX intermediary in order to ensure that that time risk is cut out so that there are no mistakes being made and that we are signing deals and ensuring that the forex payments are reaching our beneficiary bank within six hours so that's the one thing but then the second thing is a credit line so what that means for us is that we're able to remove that forex movement within the premium and as soon as we buy forex for the client to send to the offshore exchange to purchase the crypto we're able to lock in the other side of the trade 
basically like a forward contract in order to lock in a crypto arbitrage profit. So we're taking out that Forex risk, that risk of the price moving between the time it is bought to being sent to the beneficiary bank to being able to execute the arbitrage trade. Okay, I, I'm quite interested to hear about this um, this point that you, you raised with me a little bit earlier off air is that you're able to do three trades in a day. Now, as somebody who's who's done this uh, arbitrage myself, I've you know done it solo without anybody else helping me. Um, I recognize, you know, when, when the gap gets real good, you just wish that you could, let's say it's at 8%, you know, if you could book two trades in a day, that would be fantastic. I never managed it. Um, how do you do that? How do you lock in three trades in a day? Yeah, so Kieran, so obviously some of, um, some of that is our own intellectual property, which we um, will not ex, um, expose. But essentially, you know, bringing everything in-house, especially the Forex Intermediary Service, uh, together with the credit lines, we're able to lock in up to three trades at that premium when the premium is above above the is above the mean. So essentially, we're an actively managed arbitrage service provider. I have algos, but we actively manage because we know when the premium is high, and we can we can basically lock in trades at that high premium when the when we see the opportunity to do so. And because we're able to do three trades, we can lock in three above average trades um, in a single day. Okay, let's talk about the costs. I've got a spreadsheet here on my computer, which feeds me the R premium minute by minute every day. And if I see Bitcoin selling 3% cheaper on an overseas exchange like Kraken compared to the local exchanges, that doesn't mean that I can grab that 3% profit for myself because there are costs involved. So explain what the costs are. That's correct. Yeah. So, Kieran, we've obviously spent four years of negotiating cost and bringing certain services in-house to ensure that our transactional costs are as close to zero as possible. So, the costs involved in the arbitrage process are as follows. You get charged a swift fee of 500 Rand, which is charged every time you purchase Forex, and this cost is fixed. There is a Forex intermediary fee of between 0.2 and 0.4% charged to facilitate the outward Forex payments. And lastly, there is a transaction fee of between 0.5% to 1% charged to facilitate the arbitrage trade. So if the gross premium is showing 3%, the client will most likely net 1.5% after all the fees above. Okay. And the rest of that then is divided between the, the Forex provider, the intermediary, and then yourselves. You collect your fee. And your fee, you say, is between about half a percent and 1%. Correct. So we are the Forex intermediary and we also facilitate the arbitrage. So those two fees are basically split up, up there, split out up there. Okay. A lot of people were very disbelieving about this arbitrage thing when MoneyWeb first started reporting it and saying, no, this has to be a scam. But for newcomers to crypto, would you recommend this? I, let's get a little bit more practical here. Would you recommend this to your mom? So most certainly. Andrew and I come from a traditional asset management background, so we have a deep understanding of regulation in South Africa and the risk return spectrum. So we made sure that when we went live with our arbitrage service, that it would be a product we would be more than comfortable having our friends and family sign up for. This is the reason why we achieved the necessary FSP licenses and FX intermediary license together with a strong legal opinion to ensure that we were doing this right. The arbitrage opportunity in South Africa is undoubtedly one of the best risk return, call it investment, in South Africa currently. Andrew, if we can bring you back in here, 
Um, is it true that there is a limitation on how much crypto arbitrage you can do per year? It does seem to me that there is a limitation because you've got your single discretionary allowance, that's 1 million rand per year, and you've got your foreign investment allowance, that's 10 million rand per year. That's 11 million rand per person. That's if your tax affairs are in order. Uh, but there was a change in the law earlier this year to do with looping structures. Maybe can can you talk about that? Has that changed the picture at all? Kieran, I'm I'm not a specialist in, in, in this regard, but you are absolutely correct. In February there were changes that essentially allowed company structures to 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 reposition themselves and this benefited the transference of funds. Um and yeah, it essentially sparks the um the disintegration of exchange control, according to some. Um so, you know, with that, I think we've still got the opportunity with the 11 million rand allowances. And once one's individual's tax affairs are in order and you have the necessary local liquidity, you can make applications to, to invest in, in crypto and other offshore assets. David, can you come back in here? I want to ask this question about the, the gap again. It, it does look like this gap is starting to disappear. Do you think it will ever disappear completely uh, and it'll become, uh, is it an overtraded market or will it be around for as long as their financial markets? Yeah, so Karen, that's the million dollar question and one that I think about on a weekly, if not daily basis. So, you know, it, it took me two years from when I first started doing the ARB to realize that it wasn't, that it was going to be uh, for longer than I had originally thought. Arbitrage opportunities are usually very short-lived or marginal that only high-frequency bots are able to profit from it. So my view on when the crypto premium in SA will close altogether is twofold. Regulation, now this could either benefit or close the premium, and the Reserve Bank allowing corporates to purchase cryptocurrencies in other countries other than South Africa. Right. Of course, there are other kinds of arbitrage that you can do in crypto as well. You can do it through decentralized exchanges. You can do it not using the, the fiat RAND, but using a RAND stable coin. And quite a few people are doing that. But it's, uh, it's a little bit more tricky. It's a little bit more complex. And I would say a bit riskier as well. You, you really got to know what you're doing if you're going to go down that route. I wanted to start wrapping up here and maybe just from the currency hub point of view, what can we expect going forward? What, what have you got new coming down the pipeline? Yeah, so our primary focus now is on facilitating the arbitrage service until the premium closes. But we are launching a research portal in collaboration with Sound Money that will house a lot of valuable analytical and educational articles written by Robert Price, who has a deep understanding of Bitcoin and blockchain, blockchain technology. We are also now at licensed forex intermediary and so we can facilitate all things forex from your single discretionary allowances foreign investment allowances to financial immigration and imports exports we are also working on a couple more offerings but they rely on crypto being regulated in south africa which is supposedly around the corner there has been some talk that once regulation comes in that the there will be a flood of institutional money into this arbitrage space, crypto arbitrage space, and that will basically kill off the gap altogether. Do you think there's any truth in that? Yeah, that's something I think about too. Is it, it could definitely close the R, but it's more about the stance that the Reserve Bank is taking on corporates being able to send and purchase offshore cryptocurrencies, right? Because that's essentially where our premium lies therein. Is the, the only way you can buy crypto is locally, and therefore the limit is one to 10 million Rand. 
and it's mostly retail because it's only for individuals. So the big money still needs to buy in a local liquidity pool, which is limited. It's small. So as soon as the Reserve Bank changes their stance to purchase crypto offshore, that's when you'll probably see the price parity equal offshore to onshore. Right. And as we discussed a little while ago, it's unlikely that the arbitrage gap will disappear altogether because there can be unique events which can make it suddenly spring back to life again. And we've seen that time and time again. Would you agree, David? I do. Exactly. Um, I do think it will still exist in some way or form, um, but you might have to have high frequency bots taking advantage of that and a, a big balance sheet. Okay, so crypto arbitrage is going to be around for a while. It's still an opportunity and it is pretty low risk. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. And I want to thank you both for coming on and talking to us. Great. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you very much, Kieran. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, Go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.